Welcome to Learn or Be Learned. We've been working on this project for a while now, and we're finally ready to share it with you. It's been under works for a good minute, and if you're on YouTube or Spotify, congratulations, you're watching the first video podcast of Learn or Be Learned. This is the setup that I've been working on. This is the other project for season two. Season two is going to have video podcasting, but before that, this is the mini-series about real estate and real estate investing, mindset, all of that with my two good buddies that are great realtors. They share not only their mindsets about buying your first home, buying your first rental property, you know, the mindset of scaling and money and, and how all this works, but it's also the first time that we got to do a big project together, got to do a whole video podcasting, and I learned a lot. That's kind of why this whole, that's why everything's been so you know, inconsistent, I could say. So, you know, I appreciate your patience and your support and, you know, sharing these videos and, and episodes. And uh, I'm really excited to share this with you guys, honestly. And, you know, please let me know what you guys think. And, you know, without further ado, let's get right into this mini series, six episodes. We actually recorded them all in one batch. And, uh, you know, rookie mistake, live and learn. But I cut them in segments, but I didn't properly address the ending of each episode. So some of the episodes are like, some of the episodes have a, oh, all right, catch you in the next episode. And then some of them are just cut right there abruptly. So, you know, live and learn, but I think it was still really awesome, which I'd love to hear what you guys think. And, you know, without further ado, let's jump right into it. Thanks. I think that like, it's literally what he's the last thing is like, you can be a friend, but the main thing is know your do your job, right? Mm-hmm. It, the first time a client reaches out or pro, a prospect reaches out to you, a seller, buyer, investor, who it may be, they are looking for a value that we're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're doing a sales pitch about, oh, this is who I am. Well, I am also a social butterfly. I can do this and that. They don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what can I provide to your table? I'm a professional. You're a professional. We're doing a job here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're entrepreneurs. We're trying to do a business. We're trying to create the value. And for them, the value is what we're trying to put to the table. Once the value has been met and once all parties have shaken hands, then we can pop the champagne and like have the, like go out and grab food like in the proper way, right? In between, obviously, like in between showing homes and stuff, we would grab lunch. It's not like we're not going to like have a boring of night, of course. Of course. So just to, you know, that does happen. But at the end of the day, the intentions are, I think, even from my perspective, and I, I think Ramu's on the same page, is like starting from the get-go on the first call. It's like, let me help you get to the closing table. Let me make sure you find the right home. That's the intention. And we're not doing it as like, let's, let's, let's add each other on Facebook. Let's become Instagram friends. Let's, let's follow each other on Twitter. That's not the intention. We're not here to do socialize. We're here to make sure everything you need, we're there. We'll get it, we, our connections will be your, like, your go-to. And we'll be the wealth of knowledge for you. And we're here to tap into for that. Absolutely. I think it's, um, it's very important. I mean, you can connect, you can socialize without that. You know, you have that vulnerability that we talked about in the last episode. You're going to get close with your clients and your realtor. So that's inevitable. Just that's, that's a byproduct. That's not a requirement. Um, so something unique that I do want to share with people that they don't understand. So we're all in the state of Texas. So for our Texas listeners and other states that have similar laws, It's very important for buyers to sign a buyer representation agreement. And why is that? Oh, well, then I'm locked with one realtor and I don't know if I want to do that. And, 
you know, I, I was told that I shouldn't sign by my friends, right? You should just work. I mean, if you can put your name on the contract when we buy and you'll, you'll get your commission still, right? Yes, all true, except legally, if you don't sign that, we don't work for you. We work for the seller. By the way the letter of the law is written, if you hire me to buy his house and you don't sign a buyer representation agreement with me, I represent him, not you. So I actually have no fiduciary duty to you. Oh, well. So if you come back and sue me and say, Ramu, you knew there was something wrong with the house and you didn't, well, you have to disclose all material facts, right? But, you know, find a unique situation that actually works with the scenario. You come and you do that. The judge is going to be like, where's your representation agreement? We don't have one. Oh, then he has no duty or obligation towards you. He's only is required to give you fairness and respect, right? That you give to everybody. Right. Um, you're a, you know, you're a customer, not a client, right? Is that, is that what they say? Right. Uh, so when you sign that agreement, they're legally bound to you, but there's a security for the agent too. You're legally bound to them. Uh, so you want to interview and make sure that you do find the right agent, but you do want to sign that. And if you are, antsy about this most agents are going to try to do the maximum right six months uh, is the typical maximum for representation if you're not sure sign a three month three month term with them in three months you're going to know do i like them i don't like them you could probably run out the clock <laughs> and just find somebody else six months is a while but three months it's possible also many of the experienced brokers will agree to a termination clause in the buyer representation agreement because an experienced broker will always say, I want to work with somebody who wants to work with me and all business is not created equal. If you don't like me or I don't like you, there should be a way out. There's no point in forcing a relationship where everybody's unhappy. So most brokers will have some sort of exit clause. Um, Usually it's dependent on level of effort put in. If you don't have any effort and you, you decide to walk away, okay, just sign the contract, like cancel it, you're done. But if you've put in some effort, they'll ask you for some sort of nominal compensation for their efforts. You can pay them off and move on. Which is actually, I think, great because this way you're not tied to somebody. Even though it is a legal tie, you can legally untie it, right? <laughs> right, okay. So don't be shocked about it. Don't be scared about it. Be smart about it. But do sign the buyer representation agreement. Don't go around uh, shopping for homes with somebody who does not legally represent you. It is not in your best interest. Yeah, precisely. I also like the idea you mentioned earlier about essentially you were talking about I guess as I'll coin it, transitive social proof, right? Almost like borrowing social proof of others. Like if you are just starting out, I think this is great advice maybe for anything really is if you're just starting out, it's like, well, why should I believe or why should I work with you? You're just starting. You barely know anything, right? So when you said things like, oh, well, this is my coach. This is my mentor. These are the people I surround myself with, right? You're using other social proof, right? Transitively. And using that as your leverage of, look, if I mess up, I have people that know more than me that will help me in that direction. So that's my assurance to you, essentially. And I think that's, uh, I like that point a lot. I think that's a great idea because I think a lot of people 
may have this sort of imposter syndrome when they're starting something, whether it's entrepreneurship, real becoming a real estate agent, anything, right? So the sense of having the right transitive social proof to borrow could be a very good momentum builder for you. Yeah, I, let, let me give you a very direct example, which um, I found uh, pleasantly shocking. We recently went to a new home site with a client of ours. We really li- they really liked the home. They were ready to move forward, and we were going to sign. Um, and prior to actually all of this, we walk in. The sales agent comes out, shakes everybody's hand. I disclose I'm there. I'm distant, distantly related to them. They are the buyers. I am their real estate agent. And so they go through and they say, oh, okay, what, uh, what's your name? What's your brokerage? Oh, Team Velu. Velu, oh, I met a broker five or six years ago who gave me some advice on sales. By any chance, is your broker this you know, coach that helps people with their health and finances? I was like, yes, <laughs> that's that's our broker, <laughs> and I instantly had I instantly had credibility. Oh, great! Well, if you work at that brokerage, if you work with that broker, then you must really know what you're doing. That person doesn't know me from Adam, right? I just have a name attached to myself. Coincidentally, this person has worked with my broker before, and now we have this instant connection and excellent level of service and open communication. That would have come anyways, but it's a lot more free-flowing. Right. And better believe it, my clients really felt great at that time. Oh, we really picked the best home builder and the best realtor. This is working out well for us. They have a level of comfort when they see everything kind of clicking. So borrowed credibility is totally fine. You have to until you build your own. Uh, and the system is very important, right? I think uh, talking about credibility, it's, you know, for me, the way that I got into real estate was I did majority of my sales online. Um, I got into YouTube, then Facebook, Instagram, and in LinkedIn, where I practically showed off the way that I do me. Like I started doing analysis on homes. I started posting about different communities and that eventually started building a community within different platforms. And I remember the majority of my clients I got in my first year of business. So I've only been in the business about two years now. But in my first year was purely so, like social media. I, I, I truly label myself as a virtual consultant. Like if you need something, you're all the way in West Coast. You give me a call and I'll go out there and get it done for you. And the service still establishes. So you talk about building that track record of like, oh, you already have the credibility. That can be done through the systems that we have already available by putting ourselves out there, by creating like our knowledge base and stuff like that. And I think that is proof of you know who we are in reality as well. When they meet you in person, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, this is exactly what I was expecting. And that is another way of like really branding out and becoming a true version of what you want to be as a consultant. Right. Right. So here we have, you know, work on your credit score. Save up some money. Get don't a, make any major purchases. Don't make any major purchases, like getting a credit card, personal loan, car, furniture for a house. We talked about the, what was it called, operating agreement or representation agreement? Repre- so always, you know, have one, like, get one signed. Um, right. And we talked about how to find the best or good-fitting realtor for you and your needs and 
now we're kind of at the okay so we kind of had the pieces of where to go where to start how to get a house are there anything else is there anything else that yes needs to be discussed yeah let me go so uh, another thing you know when we're talking about the target audience of tail end of millennials top end of gen x um, our generation has this drive towards luxury homes right which is great and that's awesome uh, part of that process is also understanding what your requirements are. There are more things to a home than the building itself. Location, 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 right? That there's three rules of real estate. Where is it located? How long are you planning on being there? Are you starting a family? Are you moving your family in there? Does that mean, that could mean kids, that could mean aging parents, Right. So a lot of different requirements are there. And are you preparing for the next few phases of your life? Not just, oh, well, I don't have any kids now, so it really doesn't matter where we are. And it doesn't really matter if there's no walk-in showers. Okay, but if in, in the future, is there a possibility that you might have an aging relative that can't get into a tub and needs to walk into a standing shower? And you need a bedroom on the first floor and a full bath on the first floor for that aging family member. Or you're going to have kids and suddenly the big backyard is important. Mm-hmm. Or the playground and the community amenity is very important. That wasn't important when you bought the home. Mm-hmm. So planning ahead is very important. Um, and look past just what does the home look like on the outside and you know how fancy is it. Because a home is a house that you make into a home through the memories and emotions that you have, right? That's what Nathan is saying about uh, your personal experiences. Is the home laid out to our lifestyle and liking? Do you like to entertain? Do you like to be very quiet and cozy? So the home has to match your personality as well. It's not just always about grandeur. Um, so that's, you know, that's something I find often with uh, young new buyers. They're usually driven with, um, driven by accessories instead of necessities. And being able to clarify that for them is part of the service that we bring to the table as real estate agents. Yeah, exactly. And that is understanding the criteria, right? It's like, what do you want? How, what type of floor plan do you like? What's your living's lifestyle? Do you want a backyard? Do you want the lot to be 60 foot, 50 foot, 45 foot? Um, all those things need to be discussed with them just so that goes, gives mm-hmm. us much clarity and gives them much clarity when we're on the same page. Um, and then after that, I believe uh, what we need to make sure is we have a plan, like in a plan of action, because we don't want to, because sometimes homes can take uh, three months to build, six months to build, nine months, a year. But at the end of the day, it's what timeline the buyer is on, right? We'll ask the buyer, like, what's your timeline? Some will say, I want to buy in six months. So those type of situations, you got to figure out, okay, in those type of matters, how do we navigate the times we have, like three months, the first three months, to figure out, okay, how many homes do we need to visit? Uh, what If we see a home that we really like, what, when do we actually put an offer? What X, Y, and Z things need to happen in order to put an offer? And those things need to be sort of discussed or like gauged at a little bit before we actually jump in. Because sometimes... Um, Realtors who don't ask these type of questions, what they later end up happening from personal experience is that you find that out later on, even after investing a lot of time into it. And it's like wasted time for both parties. And to avoid that, it's better to ask all those questions initially. And that's what the a proper 
true realtor, true consultant, true agent should do in like the first week of like meeting them or like the first day. It's like, hey, what's your name? Did you get pre-qualified? Did you, well, how does your like income look? What's your credit score? All that fun stuff's already taken care of. And then let's sign the buyer's representation agreement and all that stuff's taken care of. Then we have the conversation about, okay, let's let's dig into the numbers a little bit. Like what, what type of homes do you want? Or maybe that could happen before the buyer's representation agreement. But regardless, those mm-hmm. main things need to be taken care of. The, the timeline piece that you're talking about is very important, right? It's not just about your realtor's time being wasted. It's also about the emotional attachment of the buyer. Imagine if you found the perfect home and you were not financially prepared to buy it and you just can't get it out of your head it's, it's, and it's sold. It's, it's now, now you go, I want a home like that. Okay, but no one else is selling in that neighborhood of that floor plan. So you can do your best, but if they have a margin... You have to have, you know, a hundred different variables are, are ongoing. So you don't want to get overly attached, right, as a buyer as well. Um, so go when you're truly prepared. And here is something beautiful uh, when you are 100% prepared, right? You have the savings, right? To sign a contract, you need to put down at least 1% and option fees. So whatever, if you're pre-qualified for 500000 you need to put at least $5,000 down on that home, right? I say at least up to, I guess, if you're pre-qualified for up to 500000 So you need to have that kind of in your back pocket, right? Um, in fact, I advise my clients to shop with a checkbook in their pocket. Uh, or nowadays, you know, people do direct ACH withdrawals. So have your account information ready. One of our clients followed all of our advice, was prepared. We went and we looked at, you know, the exact example I gave where the sales agent recognized us. They said, this is it. It fits our price point. We like the area. We love the home. It meets all of our requirements today and in the future. We're ready. And the sales agent said, yes, great. Most people are ready, but you still need to do a few things. Uh, you need to get a pre-qualification. We need to get, you know, collect the, uh, you know, um, earnest money deposit. And we need to do these other things. And they said, okay, Ramu, can you just send them all that info? I was like, sure forward 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 oh you guys already have it great we walked out of there with a signed contract which was amazing because i think there were like two more of those homes left in that neighborhood that they liked and they got one of them so the likeliness that it would have gone in you know the three days time to get their pre-qualification and put all the funds in one account but you know it might have still been there but in certain very competitive um, sub-markets or neighborhoods, it can move very rapidly. Mm-hmm. The other thing to note is that if you're looking to buy a new home, there's a thing called lot premium. It's not the price of the house, but they put an extra number for the land. Mm-hmm. Now, the price of the home comes with the land, but if there's extra land for the lot, they'll put a lot premium. Or if a certain type of lot is in high demand, Right. If it's like a hilly neighborhood and these lots are at the top of the hill or um, something we see in Texas often is a particular cardinal direction facing lot Mm -hmm. is in higher demand. Uh, And so they all have lot premiums simply because people are willing to pay and they fill up first. So a good realtor will be able to come and tell you and they say, oh, I'm qualified up to this number. That's awesome. Keep in mind, again, speaking with a new home speaking about a new home you have lot premium you have upgrades and you have options 
The number you see on the label is not the number you're going to pay. That's the starting price. It's like MSRP for a car, right? You see, oh, this car is $30,000. I have $30,000. I'm going to go buy this car. You get to the closing table. This will be $39,000. What? Where's all that extra? Oh, we got dealer fees. We've got taxes, registration, this sticker, that sticker. Uh, oh, do, you you want those, you know, all-weather mats, right? You know, right. $2,000. <laughs> Usually a few hundred dollars, right? But the, but, but the whole idea is, is that there's a lot of closing costs or extra costs. Oh, not to mention you have closing costs, right, to the actual mix. Um. There are a good realtor will also know what upgrades that you should put into the home and you should not skimp out on. For example, don't skimp out on flooring. It's not worth it. If you're going to put in carpet, uh, the padding on the carpet is very important. Don't cheap out on the padding. You don't want to build a very nice house and not like to walk on the floor. That, you know, you think about that and you're like, oh my God, that's, you know. <laughs> but a well padded carpet is always. I say always, typically speaking, worth the money. Because people will walk through a home and they'll feel how soft the carpet is. Oh my God, do you feel that? So luxurious. Suddenly the home is just sparkles in the next buyer's mind. So if you're renovating a home, put in padding under your carpet, right? So Renovate your kitchen, granite countertops. I want to ask now, right? I think this is a great segue to something I was curious about is talking about the investment side of real estate kind of like you said what your realtor should know what kind of upgrades will and will not improve the value of the home right so there are certain things you can do to increase the value of the house there are certain things that you should look for when you want to invest in a property maybe it's not just a house you want to live in Maybe it's something you want to turn into an Airbnb, et cetera. There's all these things, right, avenues you can go into. So I want to switch the topic now and talk to you guys more about the investment side of things. And maybe someone already owns a house or they live in an apartment or they're looking to buy a property, but not as a first-time home buyer, more so as an investment standpoint. And before you guys answer that, I just want to address the audience. Thank you guys for tuning in to this second episode. If you want to hear more about the investment side of real estate, how to get your you know feet wet into that, or you want more knowledge, or you just are curious, stay tuned for the next episode where we will go more into the investment side of real estate. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys.